Today on Locked on A's, when will the Oakland A's be competitive again? Also, the A's beat Shohei Otani, so I don't know, maybe they're competitive now. And then we have some standouts from Wednesday's action down on the farm in the minor leagues. Couple of debuts from the Frankie Montas trade. So uh, how did J.P. Sears and Luis Medina do? Let's get into it, you guys. You are Locked on A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 435 of the Lockdown A's podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's episode, when will the A's be competitive again? We're taking a look at some estimated times of arrival for some of the A's top prospects, because a lot of them coincide with one another, so is that when they're going to be competitive again? We'd go into it a little bit. And then we're talking about the A's beating the Angels 3-1 to in Anaheim. Shohei Otani is no match for the mighty, uh, let's say just Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy did all the offense. <laughs> and then later on we're talking about some standouts from the minor leagues, a couple of debuts that you're probably interested in hearing about. So that's what we got coming up for you guys today. But today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% in classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Also, uh, follow us on social media at LockedOnAids on Twitter and Instagram. Why haven't you done that already? I'm accusing people. I'm in a mood. I'm accusing uh, but yeah, at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, join our Twitter community. We have some fun people in there. We have some fun conversations in there. Get to know some other A's fans. Why not? Just on Twitter in the little communities tab. Just type in Locked On A's. Hit join. Start a conversation. Let's talk some A's baseball. But uh, let's get into today's episode. And when will the A's be competitive? That is the number one question during any rebuild. Not just the A's. And like the Orioles. When are the Orioles going to be competitive? Now-ish. They're they're playing a lot better. Finally. But A's, you know, rebuilds, teardowns, whatever you want to call them, uh, usually don't take as long as other teams. The Philadelphia Phillies uh, are kind of a train wreck. I think that they're still in playoff position because there are three wild cards now. But... Uh, yeah, they haven't been to the playoffs in a decade, and they're the Phillies, and they like spend money. The the Angels, same thing. They're not. They've never been like rebuilding, but man, they sure haven't been good for a while. So the A's are doing something right, and so um, let's look into when they're going to be doing it again. Probably before the Angels, because the Angels they have so many generational talents, but they just can't make the playoffs. But uh, a quick glance over at MLB Pipeline has a lot of similar ETAs for the A's top prospects. And the year that they're prognosticating for the arrival of guys like Soderstrom and Galoff and Muncie and Hogland, four of the A's current top six prospects, is 2024. Does that sound sooner than you guys were expecting? Because that might be. I mean, if everybody stays healthy... That could be the year that the Yays 
start being more competitive. Uh, the other members of the top six are uh, Shay Langoliers and uh, Ken Waldachek, and they have ETAs of 2022 and 2023. So all of the A's top six prospects, if everything, if they're all healthy, should be in the majors, according to MLB Pipeline, by 2024. And, I mean, with the way that Soderstrom's swinging it, I'll, I'll get into him in the third segment. Uh, yeah, that, that could definitely happen. Soderstrom's still, like, 19, 20. He's still a very young man. They've got some young guys that can swing the bats. Get excited about the A's. I mean, maybe not right now, because it's been a rough season, but July was okay. August seems to be all right so far. It's only a couple of days in, but June sucked. But if you made it through June, hey, we're back. That's fun. I'll help you get through this time. And then there'll be more trades, and then we can all commiserate together. So 2024, the future appears to be close to arriving. That is exciting. But if we take a look back just slightly into history, it wasn't until their first full season in the big leagues that uh, Chapman and Olsen and that whole squad was playing in the wild card game. So it might not be when they all arrive in 2024. It might be 2025, because I, I don't know that all of these guys are going to be making the opening day roster in 2024. They just said, hey, sometime in 2024, that's when they're going to be there. So maybe it's 2025 when the A's are you know, truly competitive and playing in a wild card game. But maybe that's when we can start thinking about the playoffs is 2025, which I think is realistic with the trades that the A's have made and the talent that they brought in. That sounds realistic. I think that they can play in a playoff game by then. Uh, it all depends on kind of what you mean by competitive. Like, we all have different definitions of competitive when it comes to sports. Uh, to some, it's a World Series contender. When is that going to happen? I'm not positive that the A's will be a World Series contender. I mean, 20, they had one year, 2020, and it was COVID shortened season, so yay lady luck. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the A's usually get like a year in their window, and, you know, maybe that's 2027. 20, I don't know if that's your definition of being competitive uh, to others. It just means making the playoffs. You, you get the third wild card spot and you're a contending team. And that's great for me. I think that it's being within a few games of a playoff spot with just a couple of weeks to go. If you're, you know, three, four games out with two weeks to go, you're a competitive team. You're roughly 500, presumably, and uh, you're in the mix. I think that that is a competitive team. And I think that with the third wild card in the mix now, uh, fewer wins are going to be needed to grab that third wildcard spot. And the schedule is going to be a little bit more balanced going into next year in the 2023 season. And we don't know how that's going to impact the league. We don't even know how many wins you necessarily need to get a playoff spot with three wildcards just yet. Uh, we, It's going to be interesting to see. It's, it's a work in progress. We're going to be figuring these things out. And, you know, data analysts are going to be data analyzing these things. So... When the A's turn that corner to be quote-unquote competitive, it's kind of a moving target at this point because you don't know what the, the target is just yet. Uh, could it take a 500 season to be the third wild card spot? Or will the playoff field be top-heavy and like six teams are like super going for it and then the other teams in the league are just like, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll try next year or, or never, you know, <laughs> Royals. Um is it going to be a bunch of teams close to 90 wins or is it going to be traditional? Like where it's, you know, this team wins a hundred and then there's like a 95 win team and then a 90 win team. And then you got some guys like 88, 86, and then you have one that's like 84 wins. Is that what it's going to be? It's a moving target. We do not know just yet, but right now 
the Rays hold the third wild card spot, and they have a winning percentage of 524, so they are on pace for 85 wins. So currently, a little bit over halfway through the season, the target is 85 wins to get that third wild card spot. I'm just not sure that this year, this year that we're going through, is going to set the standard on how many wins a team needs. You know, with the, the lockout and everything that happened before the season, uh, front offices were just not given the time that they usually have to construct their roster. So is this going to be the best teams that they could have you know, put together? Probably not. But maybe they worked more quickly and did put together better teams because they were under that quick time frame because nothing happens in baseball until there's a deadline. So this season could mean something. It could mean nothing. It could be an outlier. We, we don't know. We're not going to know for a while, and the A's will probably be competitive by the time that we do know. So the other determining factor, though, uh, is going to be how well these top guys, those top six guys, because that's the cream of the crop in the A system, uh, how well they play out of the gate and who is on the team that surrounds them. Uh, are the A's going to have a breakout player the rest of this year or next year? I mean, John Murphy's playing his butt off right now, but we still all expect him to be traded. So he's kind of out. Ramon Laureano, same deal. Uh, those early Chapman and Olsen squads had Chris Davis just launching bombs. He was kind of like the, the older veteran guy who was 28 or whatever he was at the time. And, uh, you know, they, they had help in the lineup. Who's going to be the guy that helped? Uh, Jed Lowry is definitely going to be on the, the team in 2027. But, uh, I mean, other than Jed Lowry and whatever he's doing, uh, who else is going to be on this team helping Geloff and Soderstrom? And who's going to be on the pitching staff? We we don't know. I mean, Cole Irvin's doing a, a fantastic job right now. Is he still going to be with the team, or is he going to become trade bait come next trade deadline? Who knows? But, uh, you know, if we go back a little bit further, 2012, they had the arrivals of Cespedes. Josh Reddick had a breakout. Josh Donaldson reinvented his swing and became an MVP candidate. Um, and then they also had a really solid pitching staff that season, too. So that's how that one kind of gelled together. And we're not seeing those parts just yet in, I mean, year one of the rebuild. So the only guy that is currently performing above league average at the plate, besides Sean Murphy and Ramon Laureano, who are likely to be traded during the offseason, is Seth Brown. Uh, he's been solid for the A's. He's shown off his dad power. Congrats uh, to Seth Brown. I'm not sure that I said congrats. Father to father. Hey, good, good job. Um, but he also just turned 30. And he would be like 32, 33-ish by the time the A's are starting to make an extra run. So is he the guy? I don't know. He might be, quote-unquote, too old. And I say that as somebody who's much older than Seth Brown. So uh, we've seen flashes from guys this season. But the standouts have been in the bullpen so far in 2022. And bullpens are finicky and weird. So I'm not really counting on any of those guys to still be, like, lights out, you know, relievers by the time the A's are good again, or, you know, with the team, I don't know. Uh, so when will the A's be competitive? That kind of truly depends on your own definition of the word competitive. What what do you mean? Also, hit me up with what you think com competition is or being competitive is on Twitter at Lockdown A's. But I think that the A's will be an improved team as early as next season. There will be some, you know, down spots, obviously, over the course of the season. I don't know if it's going to be as bad as this past June, but uh, they they... Just had a month, 
where they went, I believe, 14 and 13 in July. So they had a month above 500 just now. And that could be a nice building block moving forward. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of moving parts. But, you know, getting that culture in there could be nice moving forward for the Oakland A's. We'll see how it goes in August and, you know, September and end of season. <laughs> but it wasn't... July was not just a bunch of series against bad teams. They they beat up on the Houston Astros, a World Series contender. So that that's got to mean something. I think uh, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see what the off, the front office does or does not do this off season. Uh, but I think that they're going to be closer to a 500 team next year than they are going to be a 100 loss team. So uh, I think that you know they're they're trending up, and I trust the front office to put together at least an interesting team, if not a Maybe surprising team. We'll see. I don't know that they're going to be making the playoffs next year. I don't think I'm not calling that, but I'm saying they might be a surprising team. We'll see. Maybe like a 75 win team. I don't know. The A's don't like to lose that much. But uh, coming up on the show, we're going to go over the A's utter beatdown of Shohei Otani. But first, whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as them with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft their perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. You love that. I love handcrafted stuff that is made to order and is going to fit the person that you're giving it to. That's some good stuff from Blue Nile. I like that a lot. So looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile also has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that will not give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. If you guys have a question for us, drop it in our Twitter community. It's at Locked On A's on Twitter in the community tab. But uh, let's talk about the A's beating Shohei Otani three to one on Wednesday night. Um, they, they beat Shohei Otani three to one on Wednesday night. There you go. We talked about it. Uh, honestly, uh, with the season that Otani is having, and I thought that this would have been you know, some great feat to have beaten the great reigning AL MVP, Shohei Otani, two-way player, Babe Ruth incarnate. Uh, he has a 283 ERA, which is really good, and that's after the start, the, the beatdown that the A's thrust upon him. But uh, he's also 9-7, and seven, and the Rangers have beaten him twice, so... You know, the gravitas of that win is just kind of out the window, I guess. So, cool. They beat Shohei Otani. Whoop-dee-doo, Basil. <laughs> so instead of talking about how they beat Shohei Otani, let's instead talk about the guy that did the beating, and that is Sean Murphy, my friends. Imagine being a team that needed a catcher at the trade deadline just a couple of days ago and then not trading for Sean Murphy because this guy is just obliterating baseballs. He is on a rampage. 
of obliterating baseballs. Uh, he did all of the damage that the A's did on against Shohei Otani. He drove in all three runs in the game. Uh, part of that was, you know, a two-run homer. But uh, he went two for four with a home run, three RBI. He had a great night against Shohei Otani, one of the best pitchers in baseball. And teams were like, nah, we're good. We don't want to trade our number one prospect for Sean Murphy and three years of control. What it? Sean Murphy could have just won you a pennant, but, you know, it's fine. You don't, you don't need Sean Murphy. I like Sean Murphy. I'll get a couple more months out of Sean Murphy, and then the price will be even higher, Cleveland. That's all. Uh, he also has the highest batting average on the Oakland days, at least in the starting uh, lineup. I didn't delve into whether or not it's the highest on the team. I know that Dermis Garcia is hitting slightly higher, but he has like eight plate appearances, so I don't think that counts. But he's hitting 245 is the point. Elvis Andrews is right up there, too, with at like 240. So uh, the swinging A's back at it again. Um, and also, Martin Gallegos of MLB.com tweeted out uh, during the game that over his last 45 games, Sean Murphy is batting 304. Sean Murphy is a 300 hitter over his last 45 games with eight homers, 11 doubles, and 23 runs batted in. That's a monster, you guys. Um, Again, nobody wanted to trade for him. Weird. And I'm not, like, mad that I get to watch him for a couple more uh, months, but... Why? I'm very confused. And, you know, hey, good luck missing the playoffs, everybody. And those 45 games, that is like almost nearly half of the games that he has played this year. Uh, he's played in 95, so that's 45 is half of 90. That's almost half of the games that he's played. For half of the games, he has been a 300 hitter. That's <laughs> just on a ramp. He's ridiculous, and I need to learn more words besides rampage. So... Sean Murphy did the offense. That's that's the recap right there. He was great. But James Caprillion, honestly, he, he outdueled one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and I know that you know you can look at the stat line and like, yeah, his stat line's better because he allowed fewer runs. Duh. You know, baseball analysis. But uh, he, he went five and a third innings, uh, gave up one run on six hits and a walk. He struck out four. Good line. Solid line from James Caprillion. Not mad at that. Uh, but it's because he also allowed way fewer hard-hit balls than Shohei Otani. That I said that he completely outdueled him. Uh, he only allowed four. Shohei Otani allowed seven. Most of that was Sean Murphy just swinging away and hitting the snot out of the ball. So uh, I guess that that is the difference in the two. And I guess that you could argue that without Trout and Rendon and Otani also pitching maybe, um, that the A's lineup may actually be better one through nine than the whatever the Angels put out. Um, but Shohei Otani is Shohei Otani. And these are the 2022 Oakland A's. So you would think that that would not be possible. But in fact, it is possible and it happened. That's fun. Also, uh, I was looking at some Vimeo Machine stuff, and he's interesting. So we're going to talk about that for just one sec. He had the hardest hit ball of his season against Shohei Otani. Uh, it was at 108.5 off the bat. His previous high had been 106.3, so that's two miles an hour higher. He knocked the crap out of that ball. Uh, he then followed that up with another single. That was for a single. He followed that up with another single, which was very much more in Vimeo Machine fashion, uh, which came off the bat 76.7. And it was kind of a, a looper. Went 200 feet. Not terribly far, but 
that's the Vimeo on my team that I know. But uh, because of this, I looked at his you know, uh, baseball savant page a little bit more, and I hadn't noticed this until tonight. But Machin's launch angle has actually doubled this season from uh, the 6 degrees that it was last year up to 13.6 degrees now. Uh, he's also only striking out 16% of the time, and he's always been a contact guy, especially in the minor leagues, and that's why he was always intriguing to me, especially in 2020. I was like, play Machine. I believe I changed the name of the podcast to Lock- Locked On Vimeo Machine for a while there. Um, I like Vimeo Machine quite a bit, but uh, his strikeout rate is 20, or is, is sorry, is 20, I did it again. It's 16% right now, and that is down from 27% last season. Also, he didn't play a ton last season because uh, they had an option on him, and they didn't need him. So, and they were also sort of trying, maybe, I don't know. But that is an interesting combo to keep an eye on. Higher launch angle, he's striking out less. Something's going on. I'm intrigued. Uh, his expected numbers are fairly in line with his actual numbers, where he's hitting like 203 and his expected batting average is like 215. So I don't know that it's making a big difference. But hey, it's an interesting combo. If you can drive the ball a little bit further into gaps, I like gaps. Uh, hit the ball into the gaps good things happen. Maybe that's what Vimeo Machin would like to do and not swing and miss. Um, you know, I think that it would be interesting. A, a, a guy that can drive the ball a little bit harder, uh, make do, do more line drives as opposed to ground balls, and also make some contact and play some solid defense, that's an intriguing player to me. And I want to see how, how this keeps on going. So uh, I am very, very interested in the further development of Vimeo Machin the rest of this season. But Coming up on the show, I'm going to tell you about the development of some other guys that are not in the major leagues. They're in the minor leagues. And you're going to want to hear about J.P. Sears and Luis Medina, the recent uh, trade acquisitions from the New York Yankees. So stay locked in. If you have not tried Built Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you guys ready for this one? Are you ready? It's delicious. It's indulgent. It is cookie dough chunk, my friends, covered in chocolate. That is right. Built has done it again. So let me introduce you to your new favorite. It's cookie dough chunk puffs, and they have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% chocolate. Is your mouth watering yet? Is it is it overflowing with liquids? I, mine is. And It doesn't even stop there because the cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It can be the perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding spot um, and just eat them at night when the family's asleep because that is the best way to enjoy built bars is when nobody's watching and you can have as many as you want because they are so dang good uh, the, the puffs legitimately the puffs are amazing get any flavor it, cookie dough chunk is great but try any flavor of the built puffs you will be so happy that you did that and you will praise me Praise me, I say. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show and you've made it this far, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe and then give us a thumbs up. It helps the algorithm. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, it helps with their algorithms too. It moves us up the charts. More people can see us. I appreciate it. And uh, that that could be your good deed for the day. So five-star reviews, Locked On Ace, good deed of the day. You're a great person. And uh, there you go. So also follow us on social media at Lactanis on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. But let's get into the prospect standouts from the day. And we have to start the day with Denzel Clark, who is a very interesting guy. He's very toolsy. He's got a lot of athleticism. He's family members with uh, in the Nailers. Uh, that he's cousins with the Nailers. His mom was in the Olympics. He's got some athleticism in the family. But uh, he was... Drafted by the A's in the fourth round of last year's draft in 2021. Uh, Clark is just toolsy, and I like him. And on Wednesday, he showed a flash of what he can do. In the sixth inning, he drove a ball to right center. It caromed off the wall away from the center fielder. And before you knew it, he was crossing home plate. He, I was legitimately floored by how quickly he rounded the bases. Because I was like, oh yeah, he'll be like a, you know, coming into third and he was rounding third and on his way to home he beat that throw by by a mile so he had an inside the park home run it is his second inside the park home run in two days he has wheels and he is figuring it out i enjoy that uh in stockton he hit 295 with a 965 ops so he's got some good things going on there. And uh, with Lansing, he has slowed down a little bit. I think he's hitting like 217 right now. But he has five home runs in roughly 100 at-bats. So, you know, he's doing okay. He's keeping up with his home run pace. His strikeouts have been up roughly 10%. So he's at like a 40% clip right now, which is extremely high. But that'll come down as he gets more acclimated to this to uh, Lansing and playing at that level because this is his first professional season first full professional season. So, you know, work in progress. That's okay. And his walk rate has gone down, but it's still a very respectable 9.2% down from 14 and a half. So he's got a good approach. It looks like it's the pitch recognition that's given him a little bit of trouble right now, which is why his strikeout rate is at 40%. Uh, but, you know, you're seeing when he does make contact, he can drive the ball and then just outrun the sucker. So, Again, he's a very intriguing prospect. If he can put it together a decent amount, he could be a an all-star player for the Oakland A's, and I'm excited to see what he develops into. Uh, but moving on, we have the newly acquired Luis Medina, the A's new number seven prospect. Uh, he was acquired in the Frankie Montas deal, who which was either a great deal or a terrible deal, depending on who you ask. And I like it. I'm intrigued. So Luis Medina, and th- this... The start did not go well for him, but there's more intrigue in just a sec. He struggled in his first start with Midland. Uh, he lasted two innings through 61 pitches and gave up four hits, walked four. Walks have been an issue for him, and that's definitely not going to help his 
his walk rates, uh, he allowed seven runs and struck out one. So basically, the things that you were worried about, he did. And the things that, you know, were written about him, like, he, he's a good strikeout guy. He, he throws real hard. That's great. He didn't show that. So those aren't great. Uh, but the A's obviously see something in Medina that they want to work on. And since he was just acquired from the Yankees on Monday, I doubt there was a lot of coaching involved. And, you know, he's probably exhausted from relocating and doing all, this, all that stuff. So throw this start out. Let's see what he does in his second start. That's my advice. Uh, also, here's the intrigue with Luis Medina. Uh, Melissa Lockard tweeted out that Medina will be out of options following this season. So he's going to have to figure some things out fairly quickly. And don't be surprised to see him uh, get a call up to Vegas to you know get, get a test against a little bit higher level of pitching or uh, of hitters because there's a good chance that he's going to have to be on the opening day roster for the Oakland A's or else they're going to expose him to waivers. And you would think that somebody would take a guy that, throw, that can hit 103. So uh, you, you got to imagine that he will be on the A's opening day roster in 2023, potentially in the bullpen because he throws hard and he can work on stuff a little bit easier and, and get into a nice little rhythm and into a nice little flow. Um, and then maybe they can stretch him out at, during spring training 2024 or send him, no, they can't send him down, never mind. Um, you know, stretch him out over the, over an offseason and convert him back to a starter, you know, kind of like the A.J. Puck thing, like they were talking about for a while. Uh, maybe that's the route that they go there is, hey, we got to play him, we got to keep him, so have him throw in relief and then put him back to being a starter later once he figures some things out. But uh, another guy that also was acquired in the Frankie Montas deal and also made his debut in the A system was J.P. Sears because he got the start for Vegas and went four and two-thirds innings, gave up four hits, one run, didn't walk anybody, and struck out five. Very solid start. That's a J.P. Sears start. I'm, a, I'm on board. I like this guy a lot. Uh, he's another guy that could be looking at an opening day roster spot. Um, so, yeah, those, those are the main standouts, but I got some notes for you guys too because I don't quit. I don't quit. Uh, Tyler Soderstrom hit his first double-A bomb for Midland, and he went opposite field to do it. That gives him 21 total home runs on the season, uh, and he was also behind the plate catching Luis Medina on Wednesday. I'm not saying that that was – I don't know how much he's been catching. I, I don't look at the box scores every single day, but I know that he's been playing first base a lot more, so maybe he's not as – as they were figuring each other out, I assume, is – you know, you got Soderstrom at double-A, a new level for him, and then you got Luis Medina in a brand-new organization. Could have been a weird pairing right there, but just saying, watch Luis Medina's second start. We'll go from there. We'll reassess in five days. Uh, also, Christian Pache went three for four with Vegas with a run scored, and the, the feel-good story of the day is Aiden McIntyre made his return to the mound to make his season debut in Midland. He went one inning, gave up two hits, two runs, and walked two. Uh, he he has a pretty cool vlog on YouTube, so go check out his vlog on YouTube. It's a day in the life of Aiden McIntyre, a minor league pitcher, and uh, he's pretty solid. He's one of the A's top 30 prospects. He's he's not a nobody. He's He's got some, some real potential. Go give him a, a subscribe on YouTube, and then also su subscribe to our page. And after you're done doing that, make sure to follow us on social media at LockedOnAids on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, 
go to that Twitter community tab and just type in Locked On A's. That's us right there. But thank you guys so much for making Locked On A's your first listen today. Now go make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast, because MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB. They're on the Odyssey app, they're on YouTube, and they're wherever you get podcasts. They're also wherever you find this podcast. So... Makes it easy for you. Wherever you're listening to this, go listen to that one too. Go. Be free. Uh, on the next episode, I'll be talking about the three A's prospects that you may not know that you should know. So that's what's coming up for you guys for the Friday episode. But that's all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, go outdoors and celebrate good times, A's fans. And I will talk at you tomorrow. Tomorrow.